Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. Hello, everyone. This is Captain Jim Palmer, the dream business coach, coming to you today from Norfolk, Virginia, as we uh, make our way south to warmer temperatures on our floating home. And I've got a really fantastic interview for you today. Let me introduce my guest, Jim Huffman. He is the CEO of Growth Hit. It is a marketing agency, a growth marketing agency. He's also the author of a new book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook. We're going to be asking him about that. Jim has led growth at two startups that went from conception to over 10 million in sales. He has led growth for clients that have been featured on by Wall Street Journal, TechCrunch, and the Today Show. Jim has advised and taught marketing to brands that include Oreo, oh, good one, Hot Wheels, FedEx, Clorox, and more. Currently, as I said, Jim's a CEO and co-founder of Growth That It is a growth marketing agency. It's a premium agency that helps companies increase their online sales and lead generation by driving high intent visitors to a website through Facebook ads, Google ads, SEO, and content marketing. Jim, how are you doing today? Great. Nice to meet you, Jim. Happy to be here. Good, man. This is my fourth interview today, and this one is getting back to my, my roots, my home base, which is marketing. So I'm no offense to the others, but I'm pretty excited to, <laughs> to talk with you today. Um, so first of all, let, just like to give everybody a little bit of background. I got your bio out. Are you a first generation entrepreneur or did your parents or grandparents kind of, were they ever in business kind of showing you the ropes or what? Yeah. Um, yeah. First generation entrepreneur. Um, yeah. I am. Um, I don't know. I feel like everybody had the lemonade stand growing up and whatnot. Um, I don't know. I don't think that makes me any different. I, I had some really crappy businesses growing up where I basically begged my parents' friends to pay me money to spray paint their curbs, to do stenciling. <laughs> we were horrible at spray painting. We would detail cars and we were so bad. We didn't have to take it to a real detail shop to get it clean. So um yeah. It always makes me laugh, Jim, when someone says, yeah, my first business was eight selling baseball cards. I'm like, okay, how about you fast forward to at least 18? You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like everybody had that. But yeah, you know? but yeah first generation entrepreneur. So did you, did you go to college? Did you have a, a corporate career first or did you, when did you become an entrepreneur? Yeah, I um, yeah, went to school, University of Kansas. I studied finance. And when I was studying finance, it's like, what are my options? What do I do? And I, I figured out, I, it's so funny because in college, you just, you have, I didn't have any ideas. Like oh, I could be an investment maker, do management consulting. I ended up getting into an investment banking where basically I looked at spreadsheets for three years. But what was cool about that was it was a small investment bank in Dallas and we would work with these entrepreneurs who were about to sell their company. So it was kind of at this really exciting time for them but so many times I'd be in these meetings and there'd be these really impressive lawyers, these investment bankers with MBAs, but the most impressive person in the room was always the entrepreneur. And a lot of times this entrepreneur hadn't even grad graduated college or even gone to college. Mm -hmm. um, and they really like took an idea and turned it into something. And just being on the sidelines as this little analyst that didn't even speak in these meetings 
for me, that was kind of eye-opening. It's like, yeah, it's cool to get exposure to these transactions, but I really want to be on that side where you're actually building and growing something. So that um, kind of opened my eyes to trying to get into that world. And so uh, I don't know, it was around 2010 when I was really looking to get into startups. And there was one startup out of New York called Urban Daddy, and they were doing like a daily email newsletter. Um, and it was a guy who was a lawyer that started, grew it to about a million people, and they were looking to launch the Dallas edition. And I literally just cold emailed them saying, I'd love to do anything to help you guys and got a job there. And that really was kind of the starting point to start to learn from entrepreneurs and learn from startups to eventually try and do, do my own thing. That's so cool. So, so you were working for the startups to that I mentioned that went to 10 million in sales. Were you in marketing with those companies or? Yeah. Um, with one, I was, I started as an editor. So I went from investment banking, finance, what looked like a, sec uh, a secure job in the eyes of my family to all of a sudden I'm, I'm writing email newsletters and they're like, is that a, a good career change? Um, so they're very proud. Huh? <laughs> oh, so proud. Jim can hit send on an, on an email. But um, that for me, that was really cool. And it was actually harder than anything I did in investment banking because you know, I was in charge of one specific city and trying to grow that where they had no brand awareness and supposed to be the market leader. And so was able to grow that to 100,000 email subscribers in two years. And from that, I ended up getting to go to the headquarters in New York. And that's where they were saying, hey, we, we think we want to do this e-commerce thing. Can you figure it out? And so just by getting the opportunity to, to figure it out, um, I got to learn a lot, a lot by making mistakes and a lot just by kind of trial and error. And we were able to grow that, um, just the e-commerce business alone to seven figures um, in under two years. I mean, we had the benefit of having a, a pretty massive email list to leverage, but um, th that was really exciting for me to be able to get that opportunity to do that and really learn the e-commerce world. So when did you start Growth It? What year was that? Um, yeah, so that was uh, 2015. So okay. um, I had worked at a few different startups as the um, after Urban Daddy, I went to one called The Take that helps uh, makes movies and TV shows shoppable. Um, and we got that one to um, a million, um, a million views per month. And then I started teaching at General Assembly. Um, and by teaching at General Assembly, which is, it's just continued education for professionals. So I would do like nightly workshops. Um, people would come to me after the workshops, be like, hey, would you make a, a growth plan for us? Or would you help us with these little one-off projects? And that quickly snowballed into a lot of consulting gigs where I had to make the decision, hey, do I want to, you know, keep doing this on the side or do I go all in? And then I'm, I got a few people to commit to more, uh, more hours and I, and I went all in on the consulting thing, uh, kind of late 2015. Very cool. And so you, you quickly grew that from like zero to 50,000 a month, I believe, right? Yeah, we, um, we were lucky because we had some decent legion from the teaching and the workshops that I was doing. Cause I was doing that for a while. And so right when we started, we had two healthy clients that were, that were paying a, a fairly decent fee. Um, and then we were able to kind of to scale up. And so we 
really just, it's funny because in the early days, we wouldn't even charge anything. We just feel like that's a really cool opportunity. Like, let us play around with it for a few weeks or a few months. And if we could demonstrate value, they would be more than willing to pay for it. Um, and then that way, if we didn't, it was no harm, no foul because they didn't lose anything. But that was also in the early days when I was more worried about surviving and I would do whatever it took to try and like close a deal. Right. So who do you work with today? Um, are you working with like more entrepreneurs, small business owners, you know, larger companies, you know, five to 25 million range or who's a good client for you? Yeah, we like companies that are just getting past or are on the cusp of understanding if they have product market fit, meaning they have a product that people are actually excited about and they have raised um, a round of funding that could be a seed round that is, you know, self-funded or maybe it's half a million dollars put in or it could be an A round where they just did eight million bucks. But the key is they have some traction and they have some capital so they can start playing with uh, various marketing channels. We really like um, the e-commerce space, especially with platforms on Shopify, because we've had some pretty good success there. One company called Universal Standard that I've, I've been working with for a while now, um, they're on Shopify. And we've, I, I knew them when it was just two entrepreneurs and now it's um, like 30 plus employees and they, they've got some really um, phenomenal traction. And then we also like um, software as a service um, with uh, price points that are under around $100. Um, is, is kind of um, the, the two markets we really like. Wow. So uh, I know you do Facebook ads, as I said, SEO and all different kinds of things. What, what's your favorite? Is Facebook still one of the hottest things going right now? Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts. You know, I mean, it's, I feel like we wait a few months and things can change. But for now, I, I will say doing a three-tiered funnel on Facebook works it, works pretty well. And when I say works pretty well, um, we're able to, you know, set a goal of getting over 300% return on a 28 day click attribution. And, and that um, tends to work pretty well. Um, but we'll see. I mean, these things can change so fast. And I know Facebook and Instagram have fallen a little bit of out of favor. So we'll see um, what happens in kind of early 2019. What's a um, three tier click? What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I, I can give an example. Um, we had one client, uh, I'll, I'll use them as an example. So um, this is Beyond Energy, it's caffeinated chocolates. And we were running ads for them and we did it in kind of three campaigns. And with the top of the funnel campaign, which is campaign one, this is just trying to get in front of anybody we think would, we would like these products. So people that are coffee drinkers, people that drink uh, Red Bull, um, people that like chocolate. And just kind of go after Isn't them. Is that like about 100% of the universe? <laughs> I, I think, yeah, basically it's about, uh, it's everyone. So it's a pretty big uh, TAM. Um, and so creating video content that isn't even trying to sell anything, but just get them excited about what we're doing and the benefit that the, the product offers. And if people engage with that, if they tag a friend or they watch the full video, then we'll retarget them with the second campaign. And that's where you go from playing to the emotion to actually just trying to get them in that buyer's mindset. And a lot of time you see trialing and sampling is a big part of um, a product like this, where it's a pretty approachable price point. So it's like, hey, um, we'd love for you to try the product. Uh, you can get a free trial, just, just pay shipping or get a sample pack for this discounted rate. And 
that would usually be pretty good for getting the conversion. And then the third campaign would be just dynamic product ads where if people got as far as adding something to a cart or going to the cart and then they abandon it, we would retarget them um, with the ad. And those bottom of the funnel, that third campaign, those ads usually had the highest ROI. And then that second campaign will have the second best one. And the first campaign might not have any conversions, but it's the most cost effective uh, click, the most easy way to get engagement that fills the funnel. And so that, that was usually the, the approach we would do that would work pretty well. Do you, I mean, is the three step, is it, is each one of those a test to see which one works or is that an integrated campaign? Like you would have a client do all three. Uh, yeah, good question. We'd have a client do all three, but within each campaign, we're running uh, quite a few tests and experiments every single week. Like we were, we were testing like that top of the funnel. How long should the video be? Should it be 59 seconds, six seconds, 15 seconds, 29 seconds? Do you use social content? Uh, do you use like infographics? And so just do, doing a lot of different tests and experiments. And so what have you found out? Um, shorter is better. Get to the point, have really good subtitles and social content, user generated content over professional content actually tends to do better. I mean, all of these could be disproved with a, an experiment we would run tomorrow with, with a different brand, but for the most part, um, those uh, tended to work out pretty well, especially if you can um, have a very authentic brand that's true and isn't salesy and actually has like a mission to it. Um, those do best because I think consumers are smart. They can read between the lines. And so you want to be very authentic and transparent as possible. What else is going on with Facebook? I mean, outside of the, they're constantly changing the logarithm, what they're going to show to who and things like that. I mean, it seems to be getting a lot harder to, to strike gold with Facebook ads. It, it is. I mean, I mean, mobile and Instagram still pretty good, especially for getting engagement, but conversion on mobile is always going to be lower than that of desktop. Um, I mean, they're definitely pushing you to do more stories because they have more inventory there. It's a little bit more cost effective. So we're, and you get to take up the full screen, which is nice. Um, but we'll, we'll see how long that lasts. And right now, as we get into Q4, definitely seeing pricing go up a little bit. So where we have to be there, we are, but um, if we can also wait and hold some budget back till um, the start of Q1, where it'll come down a little bit, we'll, we'll do that as well. So you got a new book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook, um, and chapter five is Playbook, How to Uncover Your Growth. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, so um, one thing, like, we'll, we'll talk with entrepreneurs, and they've, you know, they've, they've got a great idea and they're ready to like start growing. Like let's run Facebook ads, let's do whatever. But before we even spend a dollar, it's like, should we even be paying for ads? Maybe we should be doing something completely different. So how do you figure out what are your options for growth? Um, so what we like to do is we like to do um, kind of three things. First is understand your industry. Like what is the landscape right now? So again, we'll go back to the beyond caffeinated chocolate. They're an e-commerce business. So we know the game that they're playing is customer acquisition costs, CAS, CAC versus lifetime value. How much customers are spending over their lifetime. So that's going to tell you real quick how much money, if any money, you have to spend on acquiring a customer. So that can tell you what channels you use. 
Um, the second thing we want to do is understand what are the competitors doing in this space? Where are they putting their time, energy, and resources? So you can use a tool like similarweb.com where you can toss in the URL um, for a competitor. So one kind of interesting example, let's say we have a men's fashion brand and we're trying to see what Bonobos is doing, which is another men's fashion brand. When you type them into similar web, you actually see that their top social platform is not Instagram or Facebook. It's actually Reddit. So if you go to Reddit and see the conversations happening around the pants that Bonobos make, it's very engaged consumers talking about the quality of the pants, wearing them on hikes, uh, wearing them on business trips and the durability of them. So real quick, you get, an, you get a snapshot into these consumers really care about quality. They're not talking about price. They're talking about how they wear and the utility of it. So just by understanding where a brand like that is and what they're doing, it helps you understand maybe opportunities for you, what you should do or what you should not do. And then the third thing is really understanding who are these customers you're trying to get in front of. So with that Bonobos example, we know that one persona is absolutely this person that has high disposable income, cares about quality of product. So whenever we're marketing to them, I want to make sure we talk about, you know, made in the U.S., talk about the testing that goes into the products um, and how durable they are. And so just doing those three things, looking at your industry, looking at your competition, understanding your customers, that's going to form the different channels and the different language you want to use to get in front of your customers. What are some of the things that high growth startups have in common? So, I mean, you've helped a lot of them and... Um... What are some of the commonalities you see, Jim? Yeah, I think it's it's one key thing, and it's really finding a frictionless way to turn your customers into marketers, right? Because you, you can get traffic to your site. Hopefully, you can get that traffic um, turned into a customer, get them activated. But do you have a product or service that they like so much that they will then share with their friends, whether that's through word of mouth marketing, through email or a social channel. And so how can you actually engineer that viral loop to make it very easy for your customers to do this? And so, you know, um, you've got the example of Dropbox, right? The classic one where, hey, you can use free cloud storage and if you run out of space, you can pay for more cloud storage or invite a friend and get more free storage um, if they start to use it. Uh, today, this is their driver, their number one driver of new acquisition. Harry's Razors did a great job of this even before they launched. They built up a list of 100,000 potential customers just with their wait list because they're like, hey, sign up for the wait list. And by the way, if you share this with a friend, if you share it with 25 friends, we'll give you a free razor. And they got people to invite an average of eight people per signup just by creating that right referral mechanism. So as you look at all these high growth startups, you can usually tie back to finding a referral mechanism that allowed them to kind of take growth to a next level. Because unfortunately, paid ads can only take you so far, which is why I'm always concerned when brands have too much of their traffic coming from a paid channel. Um, you really want to try and get a referral mechanism working for you if possible. So Jim, if, um, if, an, if a client came to you, let's say they're just getting at six figures or 
you know, they really have their eyes set on, uh, you know, mids, mid to high five figures and, or six figures and then on to seven. What would be like the first one or two things, maybe even three things, if you're feeling generous, that, that you would suggest they do? How do they find that, that growth hit? Um, yeah, well, first, can we raise prices? Let's just raise prices with all the customers and we'll hit that number real quick. Um, so there's one option. Um, but no, I would, first, I'd want to understand that conversion funnel. Like, are we leaving any money on the table? So if, you, if it's an e-commerce site, is that conversion rate over 2%? And how many people are adding something to cart? Maybe they have 9% of people adding stuff to cart, but only 2% are converting. Um, what are we doing there with um, cart abandonments, win back campaigns, dynamic product retargeting ads? To, act, to reactivate or activate those people. Um, and then with people that have converted, how long has it been since they've done that second purchase? You know, are we using personalization or segmentation uh, to try and reactivate them? So those would be some low hanging fruits, looking at current traffic and current customers to increase that lifetime value or increase that conversion rate. Um, from a top of funnel perspective, as far as how are we getting in traffic the right way, um, if, if they weren't trying things that, that I've mentioned on the paid side, I, I'd probably be looking at that. Um, but one of the other things I really like to do is something that isn't the most scalable, but it's kind of being scrappy. But I would actually build out a database of, I don't know, 100 different groups and when I say 100 different groups, um, I don't know, we'll give the example of, um, I don't know, there's this liquor delivery service called Bottle Service. So clearly they're trying to go after people uh, that drink booze um, at home. Um, let's say they're trying to find a bunch of new customers. I would build out a list of every organization um, within the cities they service that, that have people that are potential customers. So maybe it's um, like the the, the nerds and beer uh, gaming group that gets together on trivia night to drink beers. I would hit them up and try and sponsor an event with them to build up awareness. Um, any young entrepreneurship happy hour groups, I would hit them up and see about engaging with them. Um, and this is something that while it's not super scalable, you can get an intern or a virtual assistant to help you do reach out and to start partnerships that way. Um, so I don't know, those are just kind of some different ideas looking at paid, the conversion funnel and, and something that's kind of outside the box. Yeah, it's always, it always, it doesn't surprise me at all, but it always, it's, it's alarming a little bit when people think they're going to have fast growth with what I call, um, th th which means expecting paid traffic results with free traffic mentality. <laughs> You know, yeah. I'm going to post to Facebook. I'm going to post on my blog. I'm going to do this. So I'm going to spend five bucks in a Facebook ad and gee, how come it didn't work? <laughs> I'm sure you find that too. Oh, a hundred percent. Unfortunately, there isn't like a green growth button we can hit that just gets results. And even us, we'll start with a campaign and we definitely don't see success right away. And we've been doing this um, pretty, pretty effectively. So yeah, it's, it, it's not as easy as people make it out to be. Very good. Hey, Jim, what's a good place for people to get your book and how do, how do you want them to connect with you, um, uh, your website and things like that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can go to growthmarketersplaybook.com and I actually put a promo code. Uh, if you just use a promo code dream business, um, you get 30% off the book or the book and the workshop that we do. And then our agency is just growthhit.com. If anybody has any questions, we have 
forms there. And then I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman. Very cool. Jim, thanks so much for being my guest this week. I greatly appreciate it. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it. Hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Jim Huffman from Growth Hit. Um, if you and I are not connected any other way other than this podcast, you can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com. Uh, you can join my free Facebook group, which is dreambizgroup.com, dreambizgroup.com. Until next week, another fantastic interview. I am Captain Jim Palmer. I am the Dream Business Coach, and you take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.